another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. Following Tuesday's victory by Purdue at Ohio State, 67-65. And what a thrilling night it was for the Boilermakers. Um, Didn't think it would get to that point as Ohio State was hitting three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. But... Purdue has found a winning formula, especially on the road. Get down by double digits and then fight your way back. Uh, They've done that in two of the last four games. Uh, The Indiana game, they led basically start to finish. But that has worked for them. Worked for them at Michigan State and worked for them at Ohio State. And both kind of followed similar scripts. Travion Williams delivers a game winner. And then Jaden Ivey delivers the game winner tonight. And you can just see uh, that kid. Again, I call him called him kid. That young man. I think I call him a kid in the story too. But that young man. Um, how much uh, tonight meant to him. How much the belief. Uh, that Matt Painter and the coaching staff put in him to manage that last play, giving him the options, but in the end, trusting him to do the right thing and potentially hit the game-winning shot. I think the three-pointer was the last of the options because they had uh, Stefanovic coming off a uh, a screen and then excuse me and then they were I think they were trying to get a scenario where Jaden could get to the basket and get by his man but he couldn't and then the last option was obviously a uh, step back three pointer that he that he drained um, that that if fans were there they would have been completely stunned by what he did um, but I think you know it shows his talent it shows where he's at mentally um, and for those of you that didn't know uh, this was written about a couple days ago where after the Penn State game he was uh, right back out on Katie Court um, not too long after the game ended uh, shirtless, had shorts on, and was putting up shots. Uh, it's not uncommon to see players do that, but uh, we would have never seen it if, if not for our confinement upstairs to uh, the upper level. And you know, as I said, players do that a lot. Brandon Newman did it a lot last year after games now he was redshirting but he would he would come to back to Mackey Arena or come out of the locker room put in his mixed jam and shoot uh, shoot shots because we could hear it in the press room could hear the music but anyway with Ivy he was out there Sunday night putting up shots working on different um, different spots on the floor he was even busting his butt in transition 
and uh, just trying to get his shot back. I mean, he's not he's not done well from three point range. He only had five three pointers on the season coming into Tuesday night. He hit two, including the game winner. You also got to remember he scored eight points in the last three eleven of this game to keep Purdue in there. Um, and we'll rehash that part here in a minute. But just with Ivy, um, I mean, I think this is a this is a guy that's growing up before our eyes. Um, he has the confidence. He knows he knows he's a really good player. But he's I don't I don't believe he's cocky about it. You know, when he has an open shot, he's going to take it. And you know, and some some people think, well, he's a, he's a freshman. He needs to have better shot selection, so on and so forth. Well, yeah, there are, you know, Carson Edwards needed better shot selection when he was younger, but with certain guys, you just kind of let them play through it. And there was, uh, you know, the while, yes, he, you know, while, while Painter trusted a freshman in that situation, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're probably going to go to overtime if he doesn't. Um, he doesn't make the shot or make the right play. So there was some risk involved, but not you're down one or two and need need a big shot. Uh, so, but, you know, I think Ivy's just getting better, and he's just... Um, and I, w- I would uh, encourage you to go listen to his uh, post-game interview uh, and just how emotional he was, not over... You know, it's not, you know, nothing happened to him personally uh, before the game or during the game. Uh, he just, he, he cares so much about what he's been doing in this sport, how much time he's invested. He wants to be good. He cares about being great, not just good. He wants to be great. And when he's not great and when he's struggling, it affects him emotionally, and he's just—he's just an emotional kid, emotional guy. I use the word "kid" again. He's just an emotional guy, and, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. We'd—we'd—I'd rather see emotional people like that than, you know, than others. I mean, uh, we cover—you know—also cover football, and there's not a lot of emotional guys there. Um, but with with Jaden, I mean, it. it who he is is right there on display. But I would I would encourage you to go to watch watch his post game interview. It's at, it's at jconline.com um, to kind of get a feel for who this who this guy is. And you know you can you can see what it means to him. You know his story. I, you know I think everybody's familiar with. His, you know his mother's a head coach at Notre Dame, and um, you know he grew up in basketball. I remember him just as a as a little bitty baby at down at Indiana Fever Games back when I would cover some Fever Games with Stephanie White and uh, the Purdue connections that were down there. So he's been around the sport his whole his whole life. It means something to him, and those are the type of players that that Painter excels with. That you know, this this means something to them, and when they lose, it means something to them. You know, uh, Ivy doesn't want to be the guy who is responsible for a loss. He'd rather be the guy responsible for a win. And he's going to do everything he can to get get that win. 
and he helped them tonight get that get that victory after being down 11 points in the first half and down five with uh, about two minutes to go. Uh, and Purdue was, you know, Purdue had to overcome some more adversity tonight, just like they did at Michigan State, uh, just like they did at Penn or against Penn State. But they had to they had to fight through that because they had, they hung around most of the night. Yeah, they got down 11 in the first half a couple times, but uh, they got it to a manageable number at halftime. Second half, you know, they're there. The game kind of comes to a halt. It's just kind of plodding along, and nobody can make a shot. And You know, Purdue and Ohio State, they trade turnovers. They trade bad shots. They trade quick shots. They, they're just kind of stuck in the mud. Um, you know, then Ohio State hits a three-pointer, and they extend the lead past the single possession. But Purdue comes back, and it was just kind of that way throughout the second half. You know, Purdue gets a lead. I believe it was 52-51 or one of those in, in that range. And then, boom, Ohio State comes down and hits a three. Uh, they just... They were they were really good from three point range. They have good. Dwayne Washington Jr. is a talented shooter, uh, and they've got some other guys uh, that that shoot the ball really well. Uh, but they ended up, I think, 14 of 35 from three point range. 14 three pointers usually get you beat uh, in in college basketball. And from Purdue standpoint, they only hit five, but. Uh, the difference there was that uh, Purdue scored 36 points in the paint to Ohio State's eight. But you, you got you got to got the feel. I mean, Ohio State was scoring by threes and Purdue was scoring by twos, and that's not a good formula. But you you know you get down toward the end. Um, Ohio State gets a six point lead at 60 to 54. Then Ivy hits a three. Um, so it's 60 to to 57 at that point. Uh, I think Purdue gets it to 60 to 59. I don't have my notes in front of me. It'd be hard to do when I'm driving. Uh, but they get it to 60 to 59. Um, but then they don't. Um, I think Ohio State gets the offensive rebound after a missed free throw. And Aaron's hits a three. So I believe it's 64 to 59, uh, with about two 2:08 to play. I believe that's it. 2:08 to play. So Purdue's down five. It doesn't look good. You know they they had their chance. They they kept getting closer, but Ohio State kept answering. But then Purdue kind of whittles away. Travion hits a uh, you know one of his shots, either a floater or a baby hook. Uh, and then Purdue, you know, gets a stop. Uh, then Stefanovic hits a three, uh, off an inbounds play, and it's tied. Uh, and then uh, Ohio State has a chance. Weeder gets a block on Aaron's three. Ball goes out of bounds after review. It's Purdue's ball, so Purdue Purdue gets the last shot at that point. And then you know Ivy hits the three. And then Ohio State, which didn't have any timeouts. Uh, push the ball up the floor, but Painter's yelling, foul, foul, foul. Uh, and that's always a tricky thing. It always causes debate where you foul up three or you don't. 
if you remember earlier this year, Purdue was up three against Maryland late, and they didn't foul. Uh, so I asked Painter, it's like, okay, what, what was the difference tonight in fouling and, and not fouling against Maryland? And he basically said Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, he got the ball, helped from a screen, but he got the ball, and, and Wheeler fouled him. Wheeler heard Painter yell foul. And he fouled him with like around two seconds to go. And, and Matt said after the game, he could he just envisioned him hitting a 30-footer to tie the game. And he didn't want that to happen. And basically he said he, when he saw that Washington got the ball, he said, oh, shit. And that's, that's what he said. I'm just relaying that. I, don't, I really don't talk that way. I don't use those kind of words. Uh, but... He didn't want he didn't want Washington throwing up a prayer and hitting. I mean, the guy was six and nine from three point range, had twenty points, ended up with twenty one because he hit one of the free throws. But then Wheeler got the the rebound after the, the the second miss, and Purdue was able to win. But you know, Painter just didn't want it want to get tied on on a on a fluke play like that. Um, and I you know I think that's the situation where. Coaches, I mean, there are some coaches who are steadfast against fouling up in three, and there's other coaches who are steadfast uh, in not fouling up three. Uh, so, without no, I, I, I think it's important to understand how the game's going. What, you know, a guy like Washington, uh, I think that's, you know, uh, it's hard to argue or hard to second guess Painter in that situation because the reasoning to me in my opinion was was logical here's a guy that was six and nine from three obviously had the touch and you didn't want him to tie the game and with minimal time left two seconds um, it, it, it would it would take a series of events miracle events for you to get beat now we've all seen that happen I understand that but I think in this case I think I think Coaches need to go look at what's happening in the game, and I think that's what Painter did in this situation and decided it was best that Purdue fouls uh, and not let them get off a three-point shot. And, and, it, and it worked. Um, but the next time it may not work, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Uh, so uh, that's kind of, you know, you, you all probably watched most of the game, if not all the game, but... You kind of saw those things unfold, but um, that's that's a little background of what happened uh, uh, in tonight's game. That's produced four straight win, um, and I've said this before, and I've written it before. This is not, I, I you know, I, I still don't consider this team a, a Big Ten championship team. But if you watch the game tonight, they put up a graphic that you know Purdue has won three times in Value City Arena. Um, and each time they've won in Value City Arena, they've gone on to win uh, a Big Ten championship. Now, I don't. I would still think that's a long shot to happen based on what's at the top of the conference. Uh, but Purdue has a pretty massive game now on Friday against Michigan, which is seven and one. And if it's at Mackey Arena. Can, can you imagine 
if fans were allowed for this, if we were in normal times, how much buzz and hype there would be for this game and how loud Mackey would be, be on Friday? I mean, can you, can you imagine that for that game against a top 10 team coming into Mackey? Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's too bad. It, it, it really is too bad that fans can't get involved in it from, from being there. But, you know, maybe Purdue's not in this position if this is a normal year. So you just kind of, you roll with what you got at the time and, and you, you move on it. But, you know, if Purdue can pull out a win uh, Friday, I, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to put them in the, uh, I mean, you have to put them in the conversation. You just have to. I mean, they're, they're, they're fourth right now. Uh, a win would give Michigan its second loss. I mean, you still got Iowa out there. You don't play Iowa again. Uh, but, you're going to reach, you know, if Purdue somehow would win Friday, um, that would be the halfway point of the conference. And, you know, you, they would be 7-3 uh, and three in the league at that point, the halfway point. And with a lot of their games at home in the second half. And I, at that point, I think you have to, they become a major player in what may happen at the top of the league. I did I, I at the beginning of the year and even as the year as the season has progressed, I didn't I just didn't think they would they would get to that point. But they've they've probably come along um, a little bit faster than uh, than maybe some of us expected. And that's a credit to the young players. You know, Zach Eady's a guy that's going to get overlooked tonight, but I thought he had a he had a he had a, he had a solid game, and he filled in for for Travion when uh, Williams picked up two fouls again in the first half. He finished with eight points, five rebounds, and I thought he he kind of kept things together, gave Purdue a low post presence uh, with with Williams out, and then Travion did what Travion does in the second half. He scores double figures and uh, gets things going and, you know, Purdue ends up on the winning end. But to me, uh, what Purdue has done on the road so far in the Big Ten, and it is different without fans, but they've won uh, three straight on the road, four in a row overall, uh, and now they're going to get a majority of their games at home. Uh, Purdue just went through a stretch where they played six of eight games on the road. And, you know, we're getting toward the end of January, then February. Purdue's going to have the benefit of playing in Mackey Arena. Uh, so I think the op- the opportunity now is there for, for Purdue to, you know, maybe challenge for the top spot, but maybe more importantly challenge for one of those double buys in the Big Ten tournament, which are so important. Uh, it just, it's, it's one less game you got to play. Um, it gives you a, a good opportunity to get to the semifinals. Uh, and then you're, you're right there at the finals. Uh, and this team, I, you know, this team has to get better. I don't believe this team is going to plateau this year. I mean, I, I think they're going to get, they're, they're too young 
they're too young right now. I mean, this, the ceiling, they haven't even, I don't believe they've even touched their ceiling yet. Uh, they still have too many turnovers at times. Um, you know, they're, they're not shooting well from three point range. And, and another guy that I thought did well tonight and adjusted and threw a counter punch was Sasha Stefanovic. I mean, they ran him off the three point line a lot. They made it hard for him to get three point shots. He was able to get one late, but he put the ball on the floor and went to the basket. I mean, that's not his game. That's not who he is. And for him to to show some progress in that area, I mean, he, I know he got an and one. He may got another one, but for him to show some progress in their area, I think is big, and it gives Purdue another dimension that teams have to worry about. Maybe they don't play him as close now, but you know things are. Things are starting to come together. Doesn't mean they're gonna they're gonna win every game, and at some point, being down a double digits in these games is gonna catch up with them. And but I just don't see this team at this point going on any kind of extended losing streak, especially with the number of home games it's gonna have on the schedule starting Friday. Now, if that Nebraska game gets punched into next week, then, you know, Purdue's looking at playing potentially three straight games at home against Michigan, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Um, and again, you, you know, that's, that's while the, the, while the first part of the season has been tough from playing on the road, um, the benefit's going to come here at the end if, if Purdue can, can keep things together. They're still getting contributions from just about everybody, their bench stepped up and scored a, a lot tonight and had, had good contributions. And and the other thing, too, I mean, the two guys that really helped win Sunday's game against Penn State, Brandon Newman and Mason Gillis, they went scoreless tonight. You know, they were just, they were kind of non-factors. But Purdue found a way to win. So they have enough guys on their roster to, to overcome Bad nights by other players, where you don't need everybody clicking at the same time. And I, you know, I thought that was the, I thought that was important. That they they were able to do that um, uh, tonight without two of their better players, Gillis and Newman, who have been playing very well uh, recently. Kind of didn't they were they were non factors uh, in this game, but other guys stepped up. All right, well, we appreciate you stopping by. Um, you know, Purdue a, a winner, 67-65. Big game on Friday against Michigan. Um, it kind of will dictate what what Purdue potentially could get out of this season. You know, a victory moves you into a different conversation. A, a loss doesn't, you know, in my opinion, a loss doesn't kill, kill Purdue in any way. You know, maybe, you know, it... it it, and it doesn't change a whole lot. It just, you know, probably puts you in a puts you in a better spot than what you were thinking at the beginning of the year. Even if you lose that game, because you got a chance. I, I think you know. I, I think Purdue's got a good chance to come out and play well on Friday and just kind of see where things fall. I don't, you know, again, I don't. I don't think a loss Friday really sets them back. I guess it depends what actually happens. Uh, a win elevates you into a different conversation, but a loss kind of keeps you 
right in the conversation that uh, Purdue should be having about itself in this season, and that's getting as close uh, from the middle uh, from the middle of the league up into the top third, top fourth of the league, challenge for one of those double buys. And I, I don't think a loss kind of takes them out of that. Um, and a lot, you know, obviously a lot depends what happens uh, the rest of the year. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by and uh, have a good day.